You've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hey, happy Friday, everybody. Quick announcement in case you didn't already follow along. This is podcast 724. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That means the next podcast, we'll record Monday night. It'll be live on our YouTube Test Drive Videos channel. We will be doing yet another live All Questions podcast. Another thing that will happen on that one, so you know, we're going to pull some questions that didn't get answered in our 15 years video. All of our patrons posted questions. We didn't get close to covering all of them. We're going to cover some additional ones as part of that All Questions podcast, but we'll be taking questions live on our YouTube channel, Test Drive Videos. That'll be 7 o'clock our time, so 9 p.m. Eastern. 6 p.m. Pacific. We'll go for about an hour. We're looking forward to it. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Season 11 for the TV episodes on the Motor Trend Cable Channel. Episode number six is playing Saturday, August 6th, 2022 at 730 Eastern. So that is tomorrow. Yes, it is. It's the Nissan Z versus GR86, Mm -hmm. but we do have a referential car in that piece. Yep. We brought a 370 along to discuss that as well. So this really came out of a very organic place. We were talking about all of the things we were going to shoot the 86 with, and we bought it. And then many people actually said in the comments when we bought that car, on our we, hey, we bought one video. They said, guys, you should have waited for the Z car. Mm-hmm. So we thought, all right, we'll put it with the Z car. So here we are. <laughs> it's which one we should have bought. Really, that's the episode. Huge thanks to our TV sponsors, Covercraft, Griot's Garage, and Autotempest.com. Use the code EVERYDAY22 with Covercraft. Use the code EDRIVER with Griot's Garage. And be sure to use the URL autotempest.com slash everyday so they know that we sent you when you're searching for your new cars. There's something that's been standing out in the news. Mm-hmm. This is a moment in time, but we've gotten many questions, email, social media. Yep. We've read all about that, and that is the oil pan gasket RTV problem with the Toyota <laughs> GR86 that has pretty much blown up anything in the car world. Yes. It's the most popular car again. Well, but but also what's funny is we have warranty news because meanwhile, see, Toyota's having a warranty problem. Meanwhile, Maserati... <laughs> the secret love of your life is offering for the first the time ever secret. a 10-year powertrain yeah. warranty. So Maserati is getting positive press for their warranty, and Toyota is getting negative press for their warranty. A lot has happened in the last 48 hours or so on this story, and you guys have sent us multiple emails. My personal favorite email that we got was a person asking if this had happened to us. And, and I was like, <laughs> I think we would have said something. We would have been pretty we vocal about yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, what what's happened here is a guy actually – blew his engine or had engine problems, oil starvation engine problems, damaged his engine, needs a new engine as a result of an autocross event. He took it to his local Toyota dealer. And this is where I wanted to find this. He took it to his local Toyota dealer and the Toyota technician that qualifies it for warranty said, this is not a warranty issue. And the reason was because they showed a picture. They found a picture of him drifting mm-hmm. at an event and said, this car has been thrashed. Now, a couple of Odd things happened right there. First off, I think it's hysterical that this owner was like, no, 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 no. It's the only time I've ever driven it like that with the drifting. He admitted to autocross. He was like, no, you have a picture of me drifting. I've never done it any other time. I was like, buddy, that's not helping you. But the service advisor folks, his local Toyota dealer denied it. And his question, valid, was, wasn't this car advertised for this kind of driving? How can you deny a warranty claim for this kind of driving? It went up the corporate ladder, and Toyota did exactly what I thought they'd do, which is, 
Yeah, we're going to cover that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this person, his name's Blake Alvarado. He made a Facebook posting, and it was because of this post that everything blew up, and it got pushed up to Toyota. This field representative from Toyota, the, the dealership, mm-hmm. I think it was a little bit of a cagey move to start with because when the Evo 10, Mitsubishi Evo 10 and Subaru WRX STI were head-to-head mm-hmm. yeah, decade yeah. ago, yeah. and people would take them to SCCA events and they would run them, yeah, and yeah. then something would break and they would take it for warranty, and sometimes they would look up the manifest from race day the dealerships mm-hmm. would try to sort of get you, mm-hmm. even though these are cars designed for the track. Sure. And the R in GR, the word is racing. <laughs> Race. You're right. Absolutely. It's part of Gazoo Racing. There's nothing Toyota could have done but but go with this. Well, absolutely. And all their ads for the car. Yes. The car was introduced on a racetrack. Mm-hmm. Everything about the, the aura of the car, including GR, has mm-hmm. <laughs> means this car is built and designed for racing. And they're right. Yeah. And I don't think that the the Toyota mothership was informed right away. I think I because either. it started at the dealer level uh-huh. and the dealer didn't do much, then it was pushed on up to Toyota. And, and I don't think this is I don't think this looks bad for Toyota because of course you know they'll say like well of course yeah we'll take uh, yeah. care of it. It kind of looks bad for the dealer and this I field representative, it, yes. but it's kind of an underhanded move to just first hang on. Let me just look at your social media surreptitiously. Yeah. And then, nope, you can't because they're obviously trying to, trying to get out of warranty work, but the dealers are paid for warranty work. So th- it's not a problem for the dealer. It, there's no problem. The dealer will be reimbursed. That's what, what sure, warranty claims sure. involve. You know, this reminds me of something crazy. And that is, do you remember the, the movie Incredibles? I know this sounds weird, but remember the movie Incredibles? Talking the first, yeah, and first, the first one. And dad is no longer Mr. Incredible. He's now an insurance guy. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. and he's always in trouble at work. Why? Because he's telling people how to get their insurance to pay out. My point here is this. It is to the dealer and to that field representative's benefit default setting to say, no, 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 that's not approved. Sure. They, they are, they are sure. in their mind, endangering themselves more by saying, yeah, we'll do that. And then corporate comes down from on high and actually goes, what are you doing? This has gone the other way. I put I this suppose. 100% on the dealer. Absolutely. I, I put it totally on the dealer here. Absolutely. I don't think and, – and I also don't think Toyota had any choice but to answer this way, though, though to what you just said. I don't think Toyota corporate would have ever answered this a different way. Absolutely. Uh, agreed. The one small mistake I believe Mr. Alvarado did was go ahead and have the engine replaced – because it seemed like there was a quick turnaround from the time this was reported. Oh, I thought it was in process now. Getting the engine replaced with a used engine and putting it in, and then finally Toyota coming around and saying, sure, we'll do it. That's from what I understand in the news, that the engine was replaced with a used engine. I thought that already was, he had just at, found one. but at maybe his maybe. cost. And yeah. so he was out 7000 or more dollars. It was supposed to, to be at his replaced. cost. I just thought he had... He had Priced it elsewhere, but I could be I, wrong too. You know, wait until you get to real Toyota, mothership Toyota involved <laughs> before you actually make a move and spend all this time and effort and kind of waste your money. And then they did get involved and everything's great. But that just leads us to the bigger question. Mm-hmm. And that's what everybody's asking us. Hey, mm-hmm. has it happened to you? Do you think it's <laughs> going to happen to you? What's going to What will happen? We just don't know. The only thing we can do is drive the car. Yes, absolutely. That's all we're going mm-hmm. to do is just continue to drive the car. Because 
whether or not this happens in the future to somebody else's engine, maybe mm-hmm. a, a batch, mm-hmm. they might be able to trace it to one particular day or week or month yeah, of yeah, manufacturing. Yeah. It could come down to a person that just did it wrong or a mm-hmm. robot did it wrong or mm-hmm. something. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that it's going to be every engine. Don't buy a GR86 from here on out. <laughs> they're junk. They're terrible, everybody. This is the IMS issue no, 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 no. for the GR86. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Every car has some sort of recall or warranty issue. Mike Kamen did Mm -hmm. years later. Yeah, yeah. So everything, it's a mechanical device. Stuff goes wrong. There are standards, and we're at a level in manufacturing now where it should be pretty awesome, especially a car that is designed and has race in the name. (laughs) Yes, I totally agree. And all of the advertising says go race and drive and drift. (laughs) Exactly. When when the advertising is it drifting sideways through a mall, you show a photo of a guy drifting in an event, and you're like, no, you can't. Why would you drift this? Hello. Exactly. Uh So will it happen to us? Maybe. If that happens. I'm sure Toyota will take fine care of us. And, and, we, and we will talk about it publicly. That was my favorite thing about it. Has yeah. it happened to you guys? Yes. Yes, the engine blew on our 86 recently. We were like, like yeah, we won't Shh, mention that. Don't yeah. tell uh-huh. anyone. We, trust me, we have so much 86 content coming up. You actually saw the photo from today that, that spurred questions, which is this versus a 944 Turbo, which we wanted to do forever. And also this GR86 versus a massively tuned first gen, which is another thing we've talked about and many people have asked us about. Well, how does it compare to if you tuned a first gen? Mm-hmm. So we're doing that mm-hmm. as well. It's going to be a fantastic piece. That is one of three... 86 related pieces coming in the next, I think it's six weeks or maybe two months, but it, they're, they're coming fast. There's a lot. This is what we bought the car to do, and therefore, we're just going to keep driving it. If you think like us, you're always looking for your next track event, right? No matter what your skill level, motorsportreg.com makes it ridiculously easy for you to find and register for track events all across the country. With over 7,000 events annually, it's the most complete events listing nationwide. And if you're organizing your own event, Motorsport Reg will help you fill every event with tools that automate tasks, improve accuracy, and grow participation. Plus, there's full-time support available as well. Learn more and find events today at msreg.com slash everydaydriver. We have a couple of great debates. The reason I say that is because the first one is something we've never covered. Mm. Mike in Texas, you are right. He's asking for rideshare recommendations. (laughs) Okay. I don't think we've ever talked about we've this. Ne- we've never talked about a car that is good for right. ride sharing. He's been listening to us for years. Mike, thank you so much. Really appreciate you writing in. He's out in Texas and ride share drives part time. He's wondering what our advice would be on a somewhat lifty Uberish kind of car. Uberish. I like that. That's Uberish. Good. His financial situation only allows him to purchase a vehicle at a Paul limiter of $17,000. He currently drives a 2013 Altima with the dreaded CBT. He wants a manual, but because of health reasons, he has to make sure he gets an automatic for his daily. Okay, all right. He does plan on getting a second car down the road with a manual, probably some flavor of Miata, which, great. He's six foot two, about 170 pounds, and currently exploring possibilities. Okay. He wants a somewhat reliable. Do, do you want to maybe always reliable? As reliable as possible? <laughs> somewhat reliable? He doesn't want to buy something he knows is going to be in the shop. Yeah. <laughs> and also a somewhat fun car. To lift in. He put in specific years in the cars he's considered because these years allow him to upgrade the radio, the the nav, the head unit. Okay. He says Crutchfield will tell you if you can upgrade the car stereo. Yes, they will. And being able to upgrade the stereo is very important to Mike. But something that dates the car the most is the infotainment. You're right. We've talked about this for years. You know, being able to update that is very important. And he hates that. And the more cars built with built-in infotainments that don't let you upgrade them, our problem. Well, that's so the a future of cars. A phaeton for Mike. 
You can't up. You Phaeton, can't. That, that's what I missed. I think you could get the world's that. nicest Phaeton. Well, no, actually, a mid-grade Phaeton for seventeen thousand dollars. It's going to be perfect to lift in. It's going to be wonderful to just sit in. You cannot update oh, anything. Hmm. It's terrifying. So yes, Mike, there's your choice. Well, what about a five thousand dollars Phaeton? Because he's going to spend the remaining <laughs> the, twelve. The remaining twelve making it run. Stuff to make yes. it run. And well, hmm. That that would be cool. If they, <laughs> it'd be cool. But there's uh, but, but it's that it's that ancient ATM head unit thing that you cannot do a thing dang. with. Crutchfield and others laugh at you if you put in Volkswagen Phaeton. It just comes back with laughter. It's like <laughs> right, uh huh. You want to do something to that? We're we're not even touching clown that. music in the background. Nope. Well, the cars Mike's considered include a Mazda three from 2014 to 2018, Mazda six about the same years 14 15, used Honda Accord from early in the aughts. Toyota Camry and Avalon, that could be good. I, I, I like these suggestions, Mike, because whenever I've used either Lyft or Uber and I get into a car mm-hmm. and there's plenty of backseat space, it just kind of ups the experience. Yes, it doesn't matter sure. if it's yeah. older. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care. Mm-hmm. But I'm also noticing that you're listing used cars, but they're definitely within the window of what Uber and Lyft allow. That's true. So he has no to. Yeah, Maserati for sure. Quattro Portes either. I wanted to do rideshare with the Phaeton and it was too old. Jeez, that would have anyway, been perfect. People would get been in fun. like, what is, what is this yeah, Passat? What on earth? Yeah, th- you have a really nice Passat. <laughs> I've never seen a Jetta like this before. Exactly. Mike's considered a GTI 2013 to 2017. Lexus IS or ES, that's a good one. I like that. Kia Optima 2013 to 2020. And two Hyundais, the Elantra and the Sonata, both 2017 to 2020 and a 2015 to 2019, which are good choices. You, you've got the sedans covered. Mm-hmm. I mean, For these sure. are yeah, all yeah. the ones. Yeah. I mean, what it comes down to is being able to drive them. And I like that you're getting out of something with a CVT. And I like that you've organized this. And you mentioned to us in the email that getting this down on paper has organized your thoughts around this. It sounds like, yeah, leave the Altima behind, move on to something interesting. And I, I really do like when somebody has the charge cable in the back and you can just get in, plug in the phone. There's what I'm charging. I do like that. Mints. (laughs) <laughs> I admit it is kind of nice and it ups the service. It gets you the five stars that you're looking for because that's the whole point. And if they like your car bonus and you might start up a conversation, got on a lift one time and this was during the COVID era mm-hmm. and the driver had plasticked with sheets of clear plastic, mm-hmm. like thick clear plastic around the entire, just the front driver's seat. Oh gosh. And it was this shimmering mirage. I didn't oh, even know no. who the driver was. <laughs> like, okay, That's very like, funny. Just hope I get there. <laughs> there's somebody in the that pod was, up there. That was part of the deal back in COVID days. But I like that you're considering these. I do have a couple for you. I like that you looked at the Lexus, but what about an inexpensive Lexus GS? You're going to have to maybe go back a little bit, but that mm-hmm. was the bigger guy than the IS or the ES. The Infiniti i30 is something I want you to take a look at. It was hmm. like the gussied up Nissan Maxima. Yeah. Problem yeah. is that was it's 20 or more years old at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those just seemed to run. Those Maximas from that year, early 2000s. They were great. I do think it may be them. too old for this, but you're right. Those were the eternal car of the era. Yeah. Acura TLs and mm-hmm. TSXs are on my mind too. TSXs have it. Uh, yeah, the, the TLs They're are great. great. And if it, you know what you could do, actually? Those cars do not hang on to value. What's the big one? The RL? The, the RL's the big, interesting. The big accurate. Those yeah. things plummet in value, and they have massive rear leg, rear leg space. See, what's interesting about the rules about ride sharing, they don't, correct me if I'm wrong, they don't seem to take into consideration your maintenance habits. No. Because what if you had a pristine Acura legend from the <laughs> 90s? Sure, yeah, yeah. Rocking that thing, yeah. gorgeous. Okay, it's high miles, but it looks great. 
top condition versus some beat down and kind of stained back seats and sort of stinky Optima. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You show up in a 90s era 7 series BMW that's mint. Oh. I would take a Uber ride in that for sure. Yes. Yes, I'd happily get in. That's what it's designed to do. Yeah. And therefore it's on you for the maintenance mm-hmm. and of course, you'd have to have some representative check off. Of course. Is it good enough? Yeah, Is it maintained? What are the around. service records? On and on. But what if you could have some older sedan because Jaguar XJs and <laughs> 750 and 740s. The and Phaeton. The, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All the Mercedes S classes from the 90s. Yeah. Those just You could run. make them run. Yeah, for sure. That'd be great. That's a better car than many of the cars on this list. Yeah. And it's probably about the same price. And they're too old. For the, for the, Just for the too app. old. You're right. Yeah. Age has nothing to do with the maintenance. That's a good it point. It doesn't. It's a very good Continually point. finding that out. So <laughs> look at those. I love your list here. But yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where you're getting it for work. It's going to mm-hmm. be the daily, but you're getting it for work. So yeah, right off and you're going to be living with it. So you're going to have to go on a, a driving spree, driving homework. Mike, I, I love this. This is this is really, it's unique and interesting. I think one of the things that, that I find fascinating that you didn't bring up, and I want to bring it up here, is that is miles per gallon matters a bit. It sure you does. You haven't brought yeah. it up, but yeah, some yeah. of these are more efficient than others. I, it's interesting you brought up the Lexus GS, which he didn't mention, because I put it on my list as an alt. Did you? Okay. I do think that's good. Okay. Uh, I, there are two favorites for me, Mike, of the ones you've listed, and I'm going to tell you why, because I think the, the, key, the, the three key things that matter for this car are... Number one, rear leg room. You don't want yeah. a lot of it. The yeah. more of it you have, the better people are going to like being in it. Two, a large trunk. I mean, the trunk's just Big cavernous trunk. back yep. there. And then you want it to be reliable. So out of your list, there are two that I like the most to check all those boxes. One is the Mazda 6, mm-hmm. which has yeah. a surprisingly big trunk and good backseat space. So that's a, and I actually just drove one recently that I actually turroed. And it was a pretty great car. It, had a, it was a high-mile turro. We got a deal. It was like a 130,000-mile Turo. Was it the nicest car ever? No. But you know what it was good at? Everything we asked it to do. That's great. It was fine. It was great. That's great. But, but the other thing, my absolute favorite here for you, Mike, is the Honda Accord. Sure. Get sure. yourself something with a little sporty setup out of Honda because you can get the Honda Accord in multiple variants. Get a good engine. Get something that has the sporty settings. But more important, get yourself some decent tires. When we've driven Accords, they've let us down. It's almost always been because they had the tires that weren't interesting on it. The Accord, generally, you can look up the stats, has rear legroom that almost matches my Phaeton. The rear legroom in those cars is shocking, and the trunk is big. I think it's Accord for you, my friend, and then Uber away. I'm just wondering about a Radwood-era exception for Lyft and Uber. (laughs) Check the well. Okay, so Radwood is now underneath the Haggerty banner. They love driving so much. Can Haggerty? Because that's who you want to have exert the, the force. Haggerty talks to Lyft and Uber and gets a Radwood tab. And then you on yeah. the curb. If you're a car geek on the curb, you can hit a Radwood tab request, and it'll search for Rad air, cars in your area. I like this a lot. Chevy Impala SS. The Rad tab. The rad tab, <laughs> getting picked up and something like that. Like I yeah. mentioned, early M5s, all the Mercedes S-classes. If you're keeping them nice and it falls mm-hmm. under a different loophole, people wonder, what's the rad tab? What is that? And they find a <laughs> list of sweet cars. Art is currently calling and talking to people at Haggerty. He's yes. going to try to get, Lane or Warren, one of them is going to try to get that tab. I can just see their little icon in the app. I think it's great. Some Ford Sierra Cosworth shows up like, what? <laughs> yes, let's do that. And you get a, a ride del- in that car. A Delica van. 
It's yes. snowing when your Uber picks you up in a Delica van. Mm-hmm. I love it. That's great. 500E Mercedes. The list goes on. I it mean, does. all the cool sedans from the 90s You're right. are now eligible. And they're, yeah, under the rad tab. At some point, you're going to want to change things on your car. And instead of just thinking about go fast parts, what about stop fast parts? Brakes are an essential part of your vehicle's maintenance, but why not just upgrade? You can improve your vehicle into a stopping powerhouse with the Power Stop Brake Upgrade Kit. It includes carbon ceramic brake pads, drilled and slotted rotors, and all the stainless steel hardware you need to complete your upgrade. It's all the little fiddly parts that I always lose. They're included too. Power Stop is on a mission to provide complete and affordable brake upgrade kits for every vehicle on the road today. Whether you're towing, whether you're doing off-roading, track days, including brand new vehicles like our Toyota GR86. Take care of your brakes by heading to PowerStop.com. You can enter your vehicle's information in their easy-to-use brake finder, and that matches you with the right brake upgrade kit for your vehicle. We don't often get emails like Amy's email. We don't. Because Amy's really excited, and she said she's new to the car enthusiasm thing, and uh, she wants to talk all about fun cars. She wants to get a fun car. And then later in the email, she mentions that her husband isn't quite along for the ride yet. He's not quite where she is, but Amy is like diving into the pool of, I need a fun car. (laughs) This is great, Amy. Thanks for the email. She has rented a 2017 Boxster on a whim when traveling a few months ago. Life as she knew it changed as soon as it roared to life for the first time. That's hysterical, and I love it. You're right. She quickly became obsessed with saving for a sports car and has mostly settled on an Indy Miata. But there is a late 90s slash early 2000s BMW 525i that has been parked under years of dust in her neighborhood. Every time she comes home has her thinking that maybe a sporty everyday car would be a better, more realistic option. Hmm. She's also not so secretly hoping that one day she'll inherit her dad's Datsun 280Z that will scratch the traditional sports car itch. Interesting, okay. Amy currently drives a 2020 Volkswagen Atlas that must stay because she regularly drives around one, two, or three large dogs in big crates, plus all the dog training equipment. Mm, She really enjoys the Atlas. She recently enjoyed seeing how far she can push it in the twists and turns (laughs) with the dogs. Okay, she says that dogs dogs were not in the car. Good, because the dogs are suddenly not your friend anymore. Yeah. It's her daily commuter. She travels 50 miles round trip, most of which is straight highway. And her husband has a 2022 Hyundai Kona. She says it's fine, but does nothing for her. She wants something to have fun in, but a bit more practical than the Miata because husband who didn't drive the Boxster has no idea what he's missing. So, so this is the, the conversation around the dinner table at Amy's house. <laughs> her husband keeps going, but why? Mm-hmm. Uh, you like your Atlas? You have to move dogs? She's like, Boxster. And he said, I, I, why? I'm back to why. <laughs> yeah, this is what's happening. Because it would be a daily commuter and run around town car, and she's not a purist, she says an automatic transmission is perfectly acceptable, if not preferred. Mm. She would need gas mileage equal to or better than the Atlas to make the expenditure worthwhile. (laughs) That's a low bar. I am throwing out that sentence because if you're driving a sporty car the way a sporty car should be driven, you cannot use gas mileage as your benchmark compared to your Atlas anymore. That's a fair question. But the Atlas is not overly efficient either. It really isn't. But then when you were hucking it through the corners... Did you measure your gas mileage? It probably wasn't the highway. Good, that's a good point. Yeah. You, you, I'm throwing out that sentence. Okay. I would love All it right. if that were the case. You know, maybe a GR Corolla driven at 2000 RPM with its little tiny three cylinder engine. <laughs> but you're right. What, what was the MPG when the Atlas was being honed? That's a great question. Okay. If that's what we're comparing it to, because sports car doing sports car <laughs> things, Atlas doing sports car things. 
Well, she had if she had to choose one or the other, she would probably prefer sporty handling or back roads instead of straight line speed. Good for you, Amy. Her previous cars have been a 1999 Mitsubishi Eclipse convertible. Okay. Two Honda Fits. One hmm. she traded for a 2012 Mini Cooper because it was boring and slow. <laughs> right? And the second Fit she traded for the Mini Cooper because she'd moved to a city and her car needs didn't justify the cost of the Cooper. Okay. And a Chevy Equinox when she only had one dog. And now the Atlas. <laughs> Got it. Got it. She would love to say that her budget is twenty grand, but for fun, she says, let's call it 30. <laughs> You've listened to this show. <laughs> yeah, you have. Bravo. <laughs> 50% increase while we're at it. Let's just do that. It sounds like fun. Done. Well, I have good, for, good news for you because you got that Boxster. You rented it. Mm-hmm. Your life has changed. Why are we not shopping for Boxsters? I had the exact same That's question. the starting point. Are, are, you like the Boxster. Your life changed. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't we go shop for a Boxster? Yeah, I, I, I had that exact same question. I mean, I found like you too. Obvious. Did you? Two different generations, Amy. First of all, on the low end, 2002 Boxster S for $16,900 hmm. in Arizona okay. with 82,000 miles on it. It is a manual. Never in the podcast history have we ever suggested a, a manual as a, eh, probably not the one you want. <laughs> You're right, because the autos will be cheaper. <laughs> Darn it, it's a manual. Oh, man, Throw this, those one's, manuals. this one's a manual. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I did find you a 2010 Boxster. It's not the S for $41,900. It's got, let's see, I think 18,000 miles on it or so. That's super clean and really recent. It's great. I think you would love it. Scrolling down. Here we go. Nope, that's the Carrera. Never mind. <laughs> Even more budget, Amy. <laughs> it is the, well, the listing says it's an automatic. We know it's not. 18,799 miles, 41.9. Bet you could pick that up for 41. I mean, I mean, if we're going 50%, let's double uh, your budget. Yeah, if we're talking 20 and double, <laughs> now we're doubling it. But okay, sure, it's why not? sweet looking. But again, let's hold off. Let's save you money. 82,000 mile Porsche Boxster S. It's probably puttered around Phoenix for sixteen nine. Wow, yeah, yeah, We're yeah. We're saving you money, and you're in a Boxster, and it's great. Then you're rocking a Porsche. I think you'd love that version just as much as the new ones. Of course, we love the new ones. They're yeah, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. But I think you'd love this. The form factor is even smaller. And it's still usable. It still has a frunk and a trunk. Yeah. I mean, it, you're looking for a more usable Miata. That is the Boxster, frankly. <laughs> Darn it all. It's a manual. Stupid so manuals. I, mm. <laughs> but what I love is that the automatic versions of the sports cars could be a sweet spot for yes. people who don't want the manuals yes. for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. That's where you save money. That's where the, the cars that have sat on lots, that have lang- languished on car ads, they haven't quite sold because everybody gets to, this is the perfect automatic. Shoot. Mm-hmm. That could be for you, Amy. That's so a good look point. At, look at Z4s. I would love for you to have an Alfa Romeo 4C. They don't come in manual, but they're not 30 grand. They're not even 40 grand, but yeah. I know. I, I, you would rock a 4C. Yeah, it'd be very like fun. nobody. Yeah, it'd be fun. You'd love how it sounds. It looks great, especially the spider. Mm-hmm. Oh, you'd, you'd dig that. <laughs> now we're triple your budget, but we're having a <laughs> hey, lot of I'm fun. giving you ideas. We're having a lot of fun. You yeah. said, you know, you're having fun. Let's call it 30 grand. Love we're it. pushing on that. But uh-huh. again, there's boxers out there for you for this. Even if you go look at a Z4, I think you'd be like, Boxster, let's, why? Maybe. Z4 yeah. is cool. Yeah. Let's go get a Boxster. And they're Interesting. out there. They are. They are. I, Amy, I, I, 
the place that Paul has landed, I think, was my big lingering question as well, and that is the Boxster started this. Why are we not shopping that? But let's throw that out. If you're not shopping Boxster for some reason we don't know, let's give you a couple of options. First off, you terrified me with your story of the dusty BMW on your street. True. Do not yeah. buy someone else's languishing project. And I yes. also want to caution you on your dad's 280Z. I hope it's awesome. But you're buying a really old car at that point or even inheriting a really mm-hmm. old car at that point. And I don't want you to rely on something like that as your, I just want to hop in something and drive for fun. <laughs> I mean, the, the, Not going to happen. These classic cars like this, and we're on the edge of them with our cars. These classic cars like this, they always are tapping on your shoulder for something. Yes. And yes. it can undermine. Now, Paul, you've weathered it well, but it can undermine your love of driving them. Yeah. Because they always need something. You haven't told us that you wrench. You haven't told us that you have any interest in that. You want something you can jump in and run. Mm-hmm. And so even the 280Z concerns me a bit. So be very careful of getting somebody else's languishing project. Don't go that route. If you are interested in something that's a little more usable, I did think you should shop the uh, E90 generation, the 335 IS BMW. That's always a, a good really choice. nice form factor. They're yeah. about twenty grand. Really great turbos. You can get those in auto. They were great. Yeah, really good. Cool. Really good uh, version. Also, you know, they just released this new two series. Well, I say that it was like 18, 18 months, two years ago. This the current two series re- refresh that we're not a huge fan of the look of. Mm-hmm. The prior gen we loved in every form. Yeah, Amy, you could find a two twenty eight i with the eight speed auto. That's pretty good in a sporty setting. And you would love that car. They're probably 25? Maybe. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, the 228i, that was the base car. But I remember the first time I ever drove one was at a track event. And I got out of it going, that's just all the BMW you need. Mm-hmm. So a 228i prior gen to the current one, BMW, would be a car you would love. And then I <clears throat> I have to say this, Amy, and, I, and I'm apologizing to those of you that are going to shake your head when I say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> you want a more usable Miata. You can get in an automatic GR86. That's true. You can. Um, and it's, it's, it's blinking in the background and of this just entire conversation. Yeah. Brand new one is thirty grand. Get a BRZ, get a, a GR86. The reality of it is the way you want to use it, you can find that car. That's good. We're realizing that because we just finished a shoot today, and we have a live podcast coming up, and we have the Z film coming up tomorrow. There's a lot going on. This may be a little bit of a short podcast, but we're still going to cover a few of your questions. I'm going to start... <clears throat> with Michael Garrett's track daily crush that he threw at both of us. Oh, you really? see this? Yeah, I yes. did. I'm looking at so it. So for me, he's saying track daily crush, Paul's Cayman GTS, which is beautiful, his 928, which is interesting, and the GR86 track daily crush. I think you all see where this is going. Michael's a troublemaker. He is a troublemaker. He's start trying to start fights because he gives a good one for you as well. Uh, I have to crush the 928 because I'm Dang. just the guy that doesn't trust it. And yeah, we're talking okay. track daily. I don't really want to, you know, especially <laughs> when you consider my other two options. My other two are, options are the Cayman, uh-huh. which, you know, actually, as I think about this, I think I would daily the 86 and I think I would track the Cayman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah because yeah, the sure. 86 is just so much fun in every kind of daily event. It's just fun. And the Cayman, that PDK, is most brilliant on track. It is. In spite of the fact it it's is. a wonderful GT car and be great to daily. I think that would be the car to crush other people on track with because I've seen you do it. 
<laughs> well, I've seen you take down people with way over your horsepower. And the funny thing is I've seen them sometimes come into the paddock and be like, what do you have in there? And Paul's like, it's just a Cayman GTS. And I keep thinking, him. That's what he has well, in there is him. He's hunting you down with his Cayman. Thank you. You're so anyway, very kind. I would track that Cayman. I would daily the GR86. And that does mean, because I do only have three choices, that the 928 is now a maroon cube. A maroon cube. I can see that. Well, Michael's done the same thing for me. Track Daily Crush, Todd's Elise, the 300ZX, and the GR86. <laughs> I, I hear it. I hear it. Yep. I have to admit, I, I wouldn't daily the Elise, but it is brilliant on track. Mm-hmm. It really is designed for the track. So that's the track car. Okay. Now for the Crush. It is, it's got to be the Z. Isn't that funny? Interesting. Okay. All right. Because a daily, the GR86 is just so good at the daily thing. It is good it's at it. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. And the Z, it's, it's just the old car thing. It yeah, just I see it. It's I good, it. although the value of your car has skyrocketed, even though I yeah, think we're coming back down off some crazy highs that nobody saw coming. I still think that your car has increased in value we shall dramatically. See. We shall see. I, I mean, don't know, man. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not quite that 94 you know, with the seatbelts in the right place. It's not, and the, it's perfect not the perfect thing. one that just sold for over $100,000. And by the way, that was too much. I, I'm putting, I'm, I'm right now, I am stamping yeah. it right now. Podcast 724, over $100,000 for a 300ZX, as brilliant as they are, is too much. Half that amount would have been kind of pushing it, but I could see it. Seventy grand for that pristine. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's up there, but okay, seventy. You got a great wow, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good for you. Twice that. Twice? <laughs> Are you kidding me? It's a great car, but no. <laughs> well, Brandon R says for a classic sports car just for canyon driving, would we take a first gen Lotus Elan or mm. the Porsche like a back five fifty spider? Ooh, see, the Lotus versus Porsche thing goes back decades. Yeah, people keep asking, right? That's so funny. I need to drive both, but I do like the five fifty spider. But the Elan is cool, too. The Elan's tiny. The Elan is little. The Elan is the original NA Miata. I mean, it's very much, it's, yeah. it's a little bit smaller than that. It's the inspiration for that. The, the only reason, because I would prefer the Elan, personally, the, the kind of dynamics that the Elan has, I would prefer. The mm-hmm. only reason that I might take the Spider is because every single person I know that has owned an Elan, you ask them how their ownership has been, and there's a big sigh and a bunch of stories about all of the effort to keep it running. No kidding. I didn't realize that. Uh, With Elans, the first. Yes. First yes, gen Elans. Yes. And that was the whole joke about the NA Miata. It was like, let's make a Lotus Elan that runs. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. I remember when Sam Smith was on the podcast, he told us his stories of woe about owning an Elan. That's right. And how much he liked driving it. But the drive time to work on time was a terrible equation. That's right. Jeesh. Let's see. On Instagram, Peter, are you there? Says Hyundai and Kia have gotten a lot of bad press lately with easy to steal cars and failing engines. How much do we take these types of stories and developments into account when looking for your next car or recommending a car to someone else? We've run into this a lot. Of course, we talked about the GR86, the you know the engine gasket stuff at the top of the podcast, oil starvation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, yeah, it's interesting. N- not every car, but there's been a lot of them over the years where we'll get a press car and early reports say something is going wrong. There's forums and you know the, uh, new owners are discovering some kind of problem. And yet we love the car. It drives brilliantly. It's a great price. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does yeah. exactly everything we're looking for and we highly recommend it. It's because everybody's ownership is going to vary. It's hard uh-huh. to say definitively, 
don't buy that car because of something's going to fail, even with IMS mm-hmm. bearings. No, you're right, because it's never a universal failure. That's the key thing. It has a, even if it's a common failure, it's not a universal failure. So you may get the one that runs forever. The other thing that is impossible for us to quantify, even among our friends, is your tolerance for pain. Right. Some people have zero tolerance for pain, which uh, I said this before. This is the reason that the cheapest car on the market, which is generally terrible, whatever car that is, is generally terrible. The reason that sells new is someone has no tolerance in their budget or even their life for pain. They bought a brand new car with a warranty so they can take it in. If anything goes wrong, get a loaner car and their life is not affected. And the monthly payment is all they pay on a car. Mm-hmm. That is the extreme of I can handle no pain. The other extreme is kind of you right now, Paul, or our friend Matt Farah, who is actually spending even more money on his Ferrari 328 than you're spending on your 928. That makes me happy. Yeah, that's terrifying, isn't it? But um, but, but this is the thing. Where is the level where you're willing to spend whatever it is because you love the car? That is the other bookend. So everybody falls. We've talked about the spectrum of sacrifice for. This is the spectrum of pain, people. Okay? Spectrum of stupidity? Well... <laughs> How dumb are you? The spectrum of money on fire. Where do you fall on here? But you have to be able to tolerate the car being down, which means Mm -hmm. you need alternate transportation, and you have to be willing to tolerate what it costs to keep it running. And we can never quantify what somebody else's tolerance for pain is. So a car that might have a problem, for some people, is like, yeah, and? And for other people, it's like, well, but if it might, I can't get that one. Yeah, true. And people keeping old cars running, I'm one of them. I love that. And we're seeing beautiful cars that are still around. People have poured dollars into them. And Mm -hmm. yeah, you can't get your money back out of them. But it's proliferating cars. It brings to mind, well, you're talking, Peter, about modern Hyundais and Kias. But modern BMWs, modern Mm Mercedes-Benzes, modern Porsches with all the electronics and data. I'm not talking electric cars. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, Every modern car with... Hundreds of miles of wiring looms and very, <laughs> you know, a lot of electronics yeah, just loaded yeah. with sensors and electronics and features and options and all this stuff. What are these cars going to be like 20 or 30 years from now? Other than terrifying, but yes. We think. Uh-huh. Yeah, true. We think. True, yeah. I mean, we're working on old cars that don't have OBD ports. At least mine doesn't. Point. Yours but, doesn't. Yeah, you right. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And we think, oh, wow, you know, the engine, engine wiring loom was... A little bit daunting. Mm-hmm. What about these cars well into the future? Because cars last. You maintain them mm-hmm. for better, for worse. They last a long time and they'll be yeah. passed down. I don't know that some of these cars will be worth junking. But then to fix them mm-hmm. with all that electronics, and most of them won't even drive. They won't even run properly without the electronics. if you don't. Yeah. So That's a terrifying thought. Yes, it's one thing to get bad press. It's another thing. If you've got one of these, you've been affected, follow the manufacturer's warranty, the recall, yeah, yeah. do what's, you know, and like you said, once you reach a level of pain tolerance and you can't stand anymore, you've brought it yeah, three yeah. times the dealer and you're, you know, I'm whatever. Out. I'm out. Yeah, for sure. That's totally fine. I get it. But car companies, every company goes through this. I, it doesn't matter who you are. Honda, Toyota, the Germans, everybody goes through this. It's a mechanical device. But what's even scarier is like, yeah, modern cars, super modern, the yeah. latest yeah, yeah. cars. This has six onboard computers. Oh, no. Imagine <laughs> 20, 30, 40 years from yeah. now. Who's going to want to take care of those? It's a great question. Will anybody take care of those? Great question. I don't we, know. We're, we are we going to see a proliferation? Of, well, yes. Are we yeah. going to see a proliferation of more junked cars mm-hmm. in the future mm. because they're too sophisticated and you have to buy new product, and that makes the old ones even more valuable because they are kind of able to keep running. 
Interesting point. Yeah, that's intriguing. I'm speculating. I don't yeah. know. But yeah, yeah. Something crazy to think about. Thanks wow. for the question, Peter. Revs Up has a question that I'm going to broaden out quite a bit. He says, with his GR86, he says, the shifter, he, he's asking if ours has mellowed over time. He said his shifter, he felt like something was wrong with it for the first 750 miles because it felt way too stiff. And mm. now it's mellowed. Has ours done that? He was worried about his, what's, what's going on with ours? In general, Revs Up, our whole car has mellowed in a great way. Mm-hmm. My wife was driving it this week. And she's like, that car's just easy and fun. She was equating it. She happened to drive the Elise and the 86 in the same day. Oh, that's cool. And so we got in a big conversation about it. That's and cool. she was talking about how perfectly the Elise drives. And I love that she likes to drive it. But she was acknowledging how hard it is to have that perfect driving experience. There's just sacrifices involved. She was like, I feel like the 86, I thought she nailed it. I feel like the 86 is most of the driving fun of the Elise. But it's just easy. And she's right. It's very easy. Now, we've noticed the uh, the 86 has uh, almost 10,000 miles on it, about 9,700 miles on it right now, which mm-hmm. is crazy to think mm-hmm. about. 5,000 of those, Paul and I didn't drive because we had other people <laughs> driving it for the East Coast uh, adventure. And uh, we have noticed that the clutch feels different because we missed out on 5,000 miles in the middle. Uh-huh. And so we got in with kind of one feeling and got in with like, that feels different after 5,000 miles of being in other people's hands. But anyway, but the whole car is mellowing nicely. And I think it's interesting because we have this car just less than 10,000 miles. We had this tuned FRS for our shoot today with 170,000 miles, but is eight years old. Mm-hmm. And then we have mm-hmm. this 1989 944, 71,000 miles, but it's old. And I was driving the 944 today, and I was thinking, I have no way of knowing, what is R86 going to feel like when it's as old as that 944? That's just it. You're Isn't that fascinating? The question? Yeah, it's weird to think so about. I, 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 and the 944 is still very fun. It just feels like a car from another era. Not in a bad way. Mm-hmm. You just know this is, oh, this is a different way of making a car. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. That's interesting. Well, there's a question on Instagram from Jorge M. who asks us to discuss maintaining out of class He's investing in his 2014 Mazda 6 manual transmission with 105,000 miles on the car. Engine and transmission are just fine. He's about to switch out worn and crack control arms and thinking about a cheapo paint job or wrap to hide up his scratch-laden black paint, but he uses it if he needs more than two seats and any time there's snow or salt on the ground. Mm. Well, Jorge, with 105,000 miles on a car, that's nothing anymore. Nobody's worried about 100,000 miles, especially you've taken care of the maintenance. Yeah. If it's 205, 305, sure. Hmm, sure. That's a different equation. But I bet you it's probably paid off. You use it occasionally. Yeah, yeah. And to replace it for what you use it for would cost you more and change your driving habits than just keeping it and investing in this. I say it's absolutely worth the money mm. to keep it. It's probably, you know, the older it gets, the fewer uh, insurance dollars yeah. it's going to cost you to keep running and the maintenance pr- is probably going to be fine. It's probably not expensive to maintain. I say, keep that thing. I, and for that reason, like I said, cars are going to last longer because you need them for a situation like this. So you keep doing little things to them. It keeps, you know, moving along as, keeps, a, as the occasional going. car. It's a known commodity. That's my concern. You, you dump it, yeah. and you buy something else for super cheap to take the place of that car. That's a total unknown. Yeah. At least in this case, you're, you're drip feeding it when it's necessary. Now, there is a tipping point where the drip feeding is just too much. $5,000 Phaetons are at the top of that list. <laughs> but, but at the same time, if it's paid off and it's, it's limping along and doing what you need it to do occasionally, I don't know that you could buy something else that does that better without scaring you more. Right. I agree. Guys, thank you so much for all your questions. As Todd said, we've got to keep shooting. We're so busy. 
but we've got a lot of content coming. Yes. All those TV episodes that we've talked about are either already on our main YouTube channel or are coming soon. And we'll definitely keep you posted via social media. We'll yep. announce on the podcast. Again, huge thanks to our TV sponsors. We couldn't do it without them. Nope. And we love putting these comparisons together. We've got so many things that are ramping up. I thought we'll have a breather after midway through the year. And it's nope. not true. <laughs> insane got our north trip coming up south trip coming up lots more huge comparisons that are already on the calendar going through the end of the year and i'm talking shooting let alone releasing all of that tv stuff is coming to amazon prime and to vimeo for our patrons a huge shout out to all of our patrons who are always the discord channel is amazing Mm -hmm. it's amazing me every time i'm on there it's really cool can't wait to answer some more of those questions we will see you guys monday night live on the test drive videos channel appreciate you guys thanks for the questions looking forward to next time cheers everyone